Hello everybody, we're here for a quick Expresso and Geography where it's just me today. I go through a current geographical affair for a maximum of 15 minutes. Now, this shot of geography-laden caffeine is the news that we may be now officially designating this period of geological history as the Anthropocene. But the debate is still there. It's been raging for a while. And the debate is still there about whether we really should be doing this. Now, what I'm going to do for this special episode is that back in 2020, during COVID, so on Thursday the 8th of October, I had the honour and the privilege of giving an Odsalon talk. Now, before I get to um, play this for you, let me just tell you a little bit about Odsalon, or Odsalon, as we would say in, in British Britishism. Um, so Odd Salon has been bringing curious minds together for live salons over cocktails, encouraging both experts and amateurs to take the stage and explore extraordinary and unusual chapters from history, science, art and adventure. Now, under normal circumstances, the quirky, weird but very popular talks take place mostly in San Francisco and New York City. And the crowd just don't sit and listen. They are encouraged to get cordially rowdy and a little drunk. And at the end of each talk, the speaker gives a toast to cap off the story. So I'll put links down in the description where you can visit Odsalon's YouTube channel and see the recording of some amazing presentations. And if you like quirky and strange stories about the world, its history and the lives that occupy it, then you should definitely check it out. Okay, so here was my talk from October 2020 about the Anthropocene. A PowerPoint uh, included with this... Um, and there's an article that I wrote about this so all those things can be found uh, in the description you can see the links down on there okay folks so please enjoy the next 10 minutes which is called the Anthropocene does arrogance outlast decay hi my name is Kit Rackley my pronouns are they them and I am from the United Kingdom so the Anthropocene, it's unique period of Earth's history in which humans are one of the dominant forces of nature. But the debate is still feverish whether we should be formally designating the current period of history with this term. And perhaps it's a term of arrogance too. Are we having such a profound impact on our planet that when, not if, decay sets in, our mark will be forever present? So let's take a look. The concept of the Anthropocene has been around amongst scholars for over 150 years, but it was Soviet mineralogist and geochemist Vladimir Vodansky, who in the 1920s first pioneered the thought that living organisms could reshape the planet as surely as physical force. He was a man who was so dedicated and passionate that um, despite all of the aspects of the early 20th century that impacted his, early, his everyday life. And on top of this, his work was actually largely dismissed by the West until decades later but he is recognized as pretty much the father of environmental sciences, which is something close to my heart because I've got a degree in that. So scientific controversy was as rampant then as it is today. Now fast forward to 2011 and a Nobel Prize for chemist winner said this, it is a pity we're still living in the age called the Holocene, the Anthropocene, human dominance of biological, chemical and geological process on earth, is already an undeniable reality. Now, he got into an argument with some of his colleagues, which made his blood boil. This passion and arrogance came from Dutch chemist Paul J. Crutzen. Months later, this snarling, fire-breathing person teamed up with American biologist Eugene Stromer 
and expanded and popularized the concept of the Anthropocene. But okay, let's just move the origin story to the side and turn to context. Let's use Crazy Horse's arm for scale. If Earth's lifespan, all 4.5 billion years of it, is his armpit, then the Cambrian explosion, the trilobites didn't occur until the knuckles. Then here's the dinosaurs on our upper finger with the meteor strike 65 million years ago at the end of that. And we didn't come about until the distals of the fingernail. So that's the bit that overhangs your, that sticks out and overhangs. And us trolling the Earth, <laughs> Well, that didn't really occur until microscopic parts of it. So next time you bite your fingernails, you've just erased all of human history. Now, <clears throat> okay, I'm a bit of a sci-fi fan, a bit of a fancy fan. Um, so here's a bit of a thought experiment from The World Without Us by Alan Wiseman, a really good book from 2009. So I want you to just think of this. What if Thanos, instead of getting rid of, oh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Infinity War, Infin Avengers Infinity War, spoiler alert there, if Thanos decided to click his fingers and get rid of everybody, instead of just half of the, of the human population, what might actually happen? What would setting decay-wise and what kind of legacy would we leave? What would our, of our arrogance would be left behind? Well, Let's take a look at this, shall we? What might endure? So start from something on my side of the pond here, the Channel Tunnel, or the Channel, as we called it, which connects England and France, and it's built within the rock underneath the English Channel. Now, it may actually remain passable for a while to allow migrating animals until sea level rise floods the French end, but continental movements after about a million years will be the death knell for it. Now, but what it does, it does tickle me to think that it would great Nigel Farage, Brexit stalwart, to learn that this physical legacy of joining Britain to Europe will, lo will long outlast his efforts to separate the EU and the United Kingdom. Sorry, Nigel. Okay, so what about everyday stainless steel items such as nunchucks? What about odor bars to get rid of that pesky sulfur smell? What about chainmail gloves? Now, these would last millions of years if they ended up being buried and fossilized. This one, Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. Now, it's carved out of granite with intrusions of pegmatite, especially resistant to weathering, eroding only one inch for every 10,000 years. So noses will be gone within 2.5 million years. Heads would lose their definition around 7 million years. Typical, isn't it? It appears to me a privilege that a monument to a bunch of white cisgender old dudes would last for so long. So let's decolonize that. The monument to Crazy Horse, also made out of pegmatite granite. It's planned to be larger and more defined than Rushmore. So let's get Crazy Horse finished before Thanos. And so we can outlast those colonials, eh? This one, oh, I know I'm cheating here, but the human artifact that is most likely to last into billions of years is within an environment that lacks weathering and erosion agents. Activity on the moon, but knowing our luck, probably a meteor strike will blow all that up. Now, okay, I haven't covered the usual sub suspects, atmospheric carbon, petrochemicals, mass extinction, because they get enough coverage as it is. So let's just focus on the root of these, human arrogance. And we can flip the title of this talk. Does it cause decay? So, Maybe the Anthropocene shouldn't be an era, but more like an event, like the, 
the meteor strike that hit the um, Earth and caused the extinction event, the KPG extinction event. So here it is with a Swiss Army knife of scale, just that little thin sliver. So sticking with scale, here we go again. Let's make these extinction events thickness on these lines to represent how long they've actually lasted. So focusing on my finger here, here's the, uh, the meteorite. Here's us trolling the Earth. Well, <clears throat> if we be generous and say, go back to the, the agricultural revolution, that's 15,000 years since then. And 185,000 years is the gap between seeing dinosaur fossils and the new mammals. Well, that's 12 times more time span than what we're doing currently right now. So, <clears throat> but it must be said that with extinction events like the KPG boundary and the dinosaurs, now, once that happened, there was an explosion of life. When the dinosaurs went, then the niche that was left behind by all these dead animals were filled in with all these, with, with these mammals. So let's think of this. With current events, how might evolution take place? How might it, it grow from our decay? Well, to quote Star Trekking from 1987, it will be life, Jim, but not as we know it. Here's some possibilities from a BBC article. I'm British. I love the BBC, so this is pretty good. Let's see, look at a few of these examples. So the climate will be changed. Things will be hotter. Things will be, you know, animals might need to try and pull moisture out of, out of the air. So think of this. Larger animals might evolve things like extended sails or skin flaps that could extend out the early morning to capture the moisture. Now, that is from Patricia Brennan, who's an evolutionary biologist. Now, the frilly collars of some lizards, for example, could become very large and exaggerated to gather water in this way. So here's my mock-up. How about the frilled-necked lizard from New Guinea and Australia plus fog-harvesting nets in Peru equals the fog-necked lizard? I don't know. Looks quite pretty, doesn't it? Right, okay, so what about this, which you may or may not have heard of, the 19th century hoax of the Madagascar man-eating tree, or the myth of the Yatavel, the latter being a carnivorous tree with huge poisonous spines. Well, we already have today the walking palm tree, native to Central and South America, and of course the famous Venus flytrap, so who knows, within a million of years or so evolution. Indulge me one more time. With potential long-term disruption to habitats, there may be a necessity for species to habitat switch. Consider a toad whose gullet swells outwards, large gas bag used to make mating cores. We've all seen planet Earth. Now, what if that toad evolved to be able to fill its gas bag with hydrogen from the water so it can hop further, even float? No longer a need for legs. So maybe they become tentacles. And through natural selection, they become bigger to survive pred predators. Result, a zeppelinoid. Now, they would become predators themselves, ensnaring their prey and their tentacles. Here's a deer for scale. It's quite scary, isn't it? Okay. Now, I began with a quote from Crutzen, which, on behalf of humanity, has a tone of arrogance. But to end, I'll return to Vladimir Vodansky, who, in 1945, the year of his death, said, The whole of mankind put together represents an insignificant mass of the planet's matter. 
Its strength is derived not from its matter, but from its brain. If man understands this and does not use his brain, his work for self-destruction and his an immense future is open before him in the geological history of the biosphere. So, I would say that's a warning to humanity of their arrogance. Now, life will go on after decay, whether it be mass extinctions from geological upheaval, asteroid strikes, or sheer bloody arrogance. And so I'd like to give us a little bit of hope with a toast. And that is we may feel that the events of today is causing decay in some form or another. And what comes next may be inconceivable or uncertain. What appears to be inevitable is that from decay becomes rebirth and an explosion of diversity and evolution. So here's to what comes next. Cheers. <laughs>